Now, John, the last two weeks we've opened by talking about children's entertainment. First, mm-hmm. you talked about the Dora the Explorer movie. Yeah. The week prior, I talked about Hamilton, the Broadway musical. Again, children's entertainment. <laughs> okay, that's. I mean. would like to continue that streak by talking about a very special show that that it's is on the heart of you and I. Okay. Um, I revisited it for the first time in twenty years. Okay. Um, for those that don't know, my fiance and I play Pokemon on our phones. Mm-hmm. This was her first exposure to the show. She has a, she has actually no idea what the Pokemon sound like on the television show. Okay. So I thought I would assist her in basically filling out her Pokemon canon by playing an episode okay. from the old series. Yeah. Uh, I'll have you know it's just as great as it was. Uh, All right. <laughs> but John, did you know that it hasn't stopped? It's been going for 20 years. Yeah, of course. Years now. As long yeah. as they keep introducing new Pokemon, there will always be new Pokemon episodes. They already yes. have over a thousand episodes. Yeah. So with my very valuable time, I decided to check in on one of these new shows. Okay. And let me tell you, it, it's fallen off a cliff. It's terrible. It's, <laughs> oh, my I, gosh. I already feel bad for America's youth, but the quality of the Pokemon television series that they're getting is, is wretched. First of all, the animation's gotten worse somehow. Well, I mean, it's meant to be more loose, you know? They're just trying to, like, update it <laughs> loose, for modern... Yeah, loose, I don't, loose like the Like, the animation like style was, like, fucking edge. Dragon Quest, and now it's, like, now they're trying to make it, like... One Piece-ish? I don't know. I don't know enough about anime to really say. But okay. they're trying to I, keep it loose. They're trying to update. They've, it's been on for 20 years, man. they got to try new things. Well, that's the problem. The, the things they are trying make no sense. So now he's part of a coterie of like elementary school students who go on field trips. Yeah. Even though he's... He, Ash Ketchum has clearly won the Pokemon League. He's a Pokemon master. He's well No, he's past. never won. He's never won. Yes, he has. No, Well, has actually, he wait. Won? He yeah. might have won the Orange League, but that doesn't count because that's not... Don't. All right, Sam. Do you want to chime in? <laughs> she's giving. She's giving me this look. Like she, Did I'm great. Win in that movie? There was a movie. There's I been like. There's been ten movies, there and there's never like a tournament one. in the movie. Wait, is that there, there Sam from one. TV Lab? <laughs> yes. We love smooth transitions. Yes, we, yes, do. we do. There's been every for every like season. There's been at least one movie. So there's been like twenty. Yeah. There's been like does 20 seasons. No, Detective Pikachu oh. does not count. And this is also why they never do like a tournament style thing would never work for a movie either because you don't have like a good three act structure. Like you need like some kind of strange development or something like that. And it would just it needs to be break journey. the whole flow. Yeah. yeah, you need the journey. So if they ever do make a, like a proper Pokemon movie, which I do not count Detective Pikachu as a proper Pokemon movie. <laughs> You so, still haven't seen it? No. It's really, it's pretty good. I mean, it, that's pretty good. It. It's, it's okay. It's a good. I'm just saying it's not a proper like Pokemon a movie, but it's pretty good for what it yeah. is. For what it is, it's good, I guess. I mean, it, it fills review. two hours. <laughs> Your glowing yeah. review has me running to theaters <laughs> to see it. Yeah. Thank you. Too kind. But anyway, that's not my main objection to this new Pokemon series. It's called like mm-hmm. Sun and Moon, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Now they name it after the game. There are like five companions he now has instead mm-hmm. of just brock and misty there are five of them all whose names i can't remember and you, apparently you can have not just one but several pokemon outside of their pokeball so it's not just pikachu that's following them around it's like eight other pokemon well i mean yeah like the whole point is to show off the animals and so you know you don't want to reanimate the same like ball no, animation no, that they're always I, doing. I demand rules okay there have oh, to be rules geez. there have to all be right limits. fine fine I mean, it, but it also makes sense because, again, they're not journeying anywhere anymore. Now they're like elementary school students. And so they're just going off like it's like magic school bus. They're going off on a little field trip and they're coming back, you know. 
I guess and so. Team Rocket gets in the way, and you know they're blasting off again. Like Greg, this is this actually is the one episode I saw. Team Rocket wasn't there. They didn't really have adversaries. They just got lost. What? Where, yeah. All right. Well, that I'm calling bullshit on that. Like if <laughs> if if Team Rocket's not blasting off by the end of the episode, it's like Daddy got to yeah, get his rocks really off. You know, yeah. like come on. <laughs> That's a fair comparison, John. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I just needed to voice my object. I needed to get that off my chest, and I decided no, I know, to do I it in this very public forum, yeah. uh, which presumably future employers and friends and loved ones will be listening to. So. Thank, thank, you, thank you for bringing us on this journey. Yes. You're very welcome. I guess we should, we should mention our special guest with us this week. We have uh, an old friend and former college uh, graduate, Samantha DeMont, with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank yes. you for having me. I've been dying to podcast with you ever since we both realized that we do separate yes. kind of sister cousin podcasts <laughs> as you do the movies and I do the TV shows and it feels very appropriate that you open kicked off with a TV show yep. that is also movies and that is also <laughs> cards and just uh, biggest multi-billion dollar franchise I think is All what the they things. consider it like I saw some statistic. I don't know how they, but it's like the most earning franchise ever and what they quantified as a franchise. I don't know, but it's literally everything because, you know, the Japanese are crazy and that's fine. We can say that. That's like the one acceptable form of like, uh, I guess, stereotyping you're allowed to say is like, those Japanese, they're crazy, right? Like, is that the one thing we're allowed to do? We're not allowed to call it cartoons. It's anime. It's anime. Which makes it creatively and artistically special and better i don't know and better i don't love it um i I think we're on the same page here i appreciate the art of it but i don't like it at all i feel like with anime the problem is like there's like it, it it's it's based on so much cliche that even if you do find a good one it's like you can see everything coming like ten thousand leagues away or something like that yeah i and feel it, like i can appreciate that you can that that style is so recognizable because mm-hmm. like that speaks to how yeah. powerful that genre is mm-hmm. but anything past that i'm just like okay and now like what else am i getting out of this exactly like, they throw cute animals in very liberally <laughs> for no goddamn reason oh there's I, a very clear reason sam <laughs> All right, sometimes, like, the Snorlax was blocking the river. Who remembers that classic episode, huh? (laughs) It wasn't the river, Greg. It was the road. They were blocking the road. No, it's the river. This is the episode we watched, so trust me. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, this was the classic. Wait, this wasn't the sun and moon. This was the classic you're talking about. Yeah, this is classic. classic. You're talking a ridge Canto region, folks. Absolutely, yeah. All right. (laughs) I know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. Like I, you know, like I'm weird for not for having kept up with Pokemon for 20 years. Okay, I'm just I'm just dedicated. All right, you guys are just behind. All right, your streets behind. Catch them all. Exactly. Still yeah. try- practically succeeded. You know, I, I'm not I'm not going to even get into it because you know I don't want to embarrass you guys any further about how many I've caught or how many leagues I've beaten or you know it I, it would just I feel sorry for you. So yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Fair, <laughs> Pokemon is not the most hopeless obsession any one man could have. Mm. Let's talk about another hopeless obsession. Okay. <laughs> and that yes, is a transition. <laughs> You're very welcome, people. Let's get into the movie we watched this week. Yes, this week, uh, 
we had both seen it, but Sam had not. So this is the perfect opportunity for us to revisit it. We watched the 2007 David Fincher film, Zodiac. Hey, you said it was in Montana, right? <laughs> I'm taking your car. I'm going to Mexico. We didn't complain when you tied our hands. Okay, you have everything that I have. We have done everything that you've asked. It's okay. She tied you loose, didn't she? All right. Get on your stomach so I can tie your feet. Okay. It gets really cold out here at night. We could freeze. Okay, you all done? You know, just because people are going to ask, was that thing even loaded? It's okay. It's all going to be okay. And it was apropos because I forgot that Mindhunter just premiered and David Fincher is a producer on that. And it's course. pretty much, it's pretty much that. like, <laughs> it's pretty much like the TV show version of Zodiac. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like yeah. it's hard to not make the comparison because I am like two episodes into season two mm-hmm. and I love is it? Well, you save it, about. save it for your podcast because you know that's. I assume you're going to do it for your podcast. No, we only do the first episode of the first season. Oh, of shows, interesting. Two, okay, all right. So Got it. All right. It makes no sense. Yeah, you're right. Got you, you're it. a slave to your. Con- you're a slave to your format. <laughs> Truly. <are. laughs> that's the. This is the life of the podcaster. But it's, I'll watch it just because. Okay. <laughs> That's so okay. where where the heck do we start? Do we start with either like the true crime procedural nature of the movie or with the filmmaking of David Fincher? I'd... Let's start with the true crime aspect of it because we could we'll 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 get into a whole wormhole about David Fincher and I'm just not ready yet. I'm just not. Okay. Yeah, that's not that's not I'm not there yet. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll start with the fact that this movie profiles the hunt for the Zodiac Killer, uh, an infamous serial killer that prowled. San Francisco, uh, the greater Bay Area in the late 60s, throughout the 70s, and uh, spoiler alert, was never caught. Mm-hmm. And so this movie tries to be an accurate retelling of that investigation while trying, not necessarily succeeding, but, you know, getting as close as it can to saying, like, this is our guy, because mm-hmm. it's invariably a guy, you know, serious. It's always pretty, a guy. It's never yeah, a girl. Exactly. Yeah. Never. <laughs> or a team, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Manson family or anything like that. Yeah. So... Production-wise, it started with uh, James Vanderbilt. He, like the author of the book that this movie's based on, Robert Graysmith, got obsessed with hunting the Zodiac Killer. And so he was the really the progenitor of this project, and that's how David Fincher came aboard. He grew up in the Bay Area in the 70s. He remembers oh, his he dad. Oh, he did? Yes. Oh, I he, didn't know. I believe he talked about in interviews, like his dad wouldn't let him take the school bus after that after the Zodiac made a very public threat that he would ah. shoot up school buses and kids on the way to school. so Interesting. I just thought David Fincher was a creep. That's why. I didn't realize <laughs> he had a personal connection. He was born in the darkness, John, molded by it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, but that is something David Fincher has been on the record about. He's like, he's kind of like, I make movies for perverts, kind of. Like, he, he, he knows, like, he, well, because he, like, he's made, his mo- other movies include Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Girl, he did the Benjamin Button one. He did the Benjamin Button one. 
He did. That's um, an outlier. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, get out of here. Um, yeah. Baby Button leaves with his like ancient ass woman. <laughs> Tell me that's not for perverts. Okay. <laughs> okay, fair. That's I've been I've been owned. I've been, thir- I've been thoroughly. <laughs> but that's Kate Blanchett, so you accept it, you know. If it yeah. weren't Kate Blanchett, I wouldn't I wouldn't let it go. But she's so gorgeous. She's so tall. Um, well, compared to the baby she's like, <laughs> that she's dating. The baby she's dating. <laughs> but he also did um, "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo," the mm. Daniel Craig one with Only the first one. Yes. Okay. Yeah, with uh, Kate Mara. No, Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. Yeah. Rooney Mara. yeah. Regrettably. <laughs> Uh, saw with my mom and grandma oh. when that scene happened. <laughs> oh. Like, oh, oh, we're watching this together. <laughs> Were you guys just like, it's like a best selling novel, so it's got to be popular. We got to see what it's about. Got to see it. It's yeah. A yeah. In the making. <laughs> I regret it. Yeah. So serial killings, um, yeah. dark, dark atmosphere. This is all David Fincher's wheelhouse, and that's what that's what we thought anyway. Mm-hmm. But, but like but like you said, you kind of gave the game away, which is the guy was never officially caught. And I can't yeah. help but because of that, the story has to end a little disappointingly or has to feel kind mm, of like anticlimactic. Yeah. And that's kind of my ultimate summation of the movie is like the first two acts, I think, are really strong when we're following. Uh, I mean, you mentioned his name earlier, but, you know, we're really following a trio. We're following Tony Stark, Bruce Banner and uh, Mysterio. As they yeah. hunt for the Zodiac okay, killer. In my note, I did take notes. It's like, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal did this. <laughs> the Marvel movies. Robert Downey Jr. Did they this. might all have the same agent. I don't know. but <laughs> The Marvel movies are like the new Harry Potter movies where it's like you can't see those actors now separated from those roles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least did you guys at least see this movie back when it came out before any of the Avengers? I did, I did not. see it in theaters. I oh, did. So can you yeah. separate them from? The I I saw it in theaters and I read the original or at least a draft of one of James Vanderbilt's screenplays. Oh. Um, if we want to explore some dark territories, this was my freshman year of college. Um, <laughs> oh, I had a dear. ton of friends who all wanted to go see Zodiac. So. <laughs> <laughs> to find a ton. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were the, they were with me in the th- in the theater in spirit. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Greg, look, Would going you call to this a support group. <laughs> <laughs> going to movies by yourself is fine. Like, oh, I, don't, I, love it. I feel like we like we already ostracized these people enough, and now I'm like ashamed to go to the movies by myself. That's not fair. That's not fair. I saw Endgame by myself. There you go. It was great. Yeah. Like yeah. Two in the afternoon, there were like three other people in the theater. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay, so we'll, we'll lift the stigma of going to, to the movies alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, then again, I don't want to go to a, a movie about a serial killer alone. It's particularly one that hasn't been caught yet. There you but, go, fair point. Yeah, I saw it originally, and I, I, th- I couldn't surmise this back until I rewatched it this time, in that, you're right, John, the, the reason this, took, this, had, this movie had such a long journey to the big screen is because it's not a Hollywood story. Mm-hmm. There are the killings that happened, there's about a decade-long stretch of a lot of investigators just running into red tape and roadblocks and why mm-hmm. the investigation can't proceed. And then it just ends with a whimper and just, uh, I uh, will point to this guy. We're about 80% sure. Yeah, um, exactly. nobody, will be, nobody will be in their seats um, <laughs> to see Jimmy Simpson say, I'm an 8 out of 10, that it's this guy. <laughs> Can I jump to why did they switch the actor for that to like also a very well-known actor? Oh, well, I think it's because they want to do the time jump and they couldn't i don't think they, they want to put fake makeup on mingus i, I suppose <laughs> not i mean 
I'm I'm thankful for any opportunity to do see Jimmy Simpson, aka oh, Liam McPoyle. It? Yeah, he's great. Yes, he's great. Shake those hips, wet nips. I was just like, what was this choice? Like 22 years later, that's not what he looks like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The nose is similar, maybe. Maybe he got yeah. plastic surgery. He clearly wanted to get out of the limelight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I think it's kind of insulting to say for like Jimmy Simpson is like, hey, we need an actor who conveys that he was almost murdered 20 years ago and carries the burden of that for his whole life. Let's cast that guy. That guy. Yeah, he's got that look. He's got that look. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing I have to mention is like, yeah, we follow the this, this Zodiac. He obviously captured the imagination, but. By sheer numbers, he was just not a good serial killer. Let's be <laughs> honest. Like, for the stuff they can tie him to, like, half his victims survived. And then he's just taking credit for, like, random shit that's just happening. So, like... Yeah. Well, to be fair, he was also locked up. In real life, he was locked up. Exactly. Portions well, the presumed, the presumed the prime presumed, suspect was yes, locked The up. alleged killer. Let's not get sued, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> locked up for good chunks of time mm-hmm. where he couldn't commit murders because he was in jail. And that's like further proof. They do the timeline and it's like, oh, for this time he was in jail and we didn't receive any calls or no letters or anything like that. So Yeah, and sometimes he was tending to his squirrels. So or, like, he, sometimes you don't have time to kill when you're like hanging out with your friends. I know. And also he was diddling <laughs> kids. So it's like, that's not really... Busy. You can't do... Know. But it's not Are fair. Are we going to you... convict him for having hobbies? <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to convict a man for having interests? Come on. I mean, if you're going to be a monster, like, pick one, okay? Either be yeah. a child molester or be a serial killer. You can't be both. No, Like, both. that's just yeah. that's just selfish, all right? Exactly, yeah. As, the true as, crime, like, market needs, like, they need to diversify a little bit more. He's kind of cannibalizing, not literally, of course, but, you know, cannibalizing the interest, I think, a little bit. I had knives in my car that weekend. Maybe Bill saw them and called the other officer on me. Well, we'll be checking in on that. Uh, let me ask you something else. Were you ever in Southern California at any time in 1966? Is this about the Riverside killing? Yes. Well, I guess I was there around that time. I used to go down there a lot. I like the auto races. Foreman says that you're ambidextrous? No, that's untrue. You can't write with both hands. My teachers tried to make me when I was a kid, but I couldn't. I'm left-handed. You also said that you made statements about killing schoolchildren. That is... That is horrible. That is... That's a horrible thing to say. So, you aren't angry about being fired from Valley Springs for touching your students? My friend Dahmer. <laughs> Have you watched that one? No, I've heard of it, though. I heard it's good. I saw the trailer, and I definitely want to check that one out. You could have you seen the uh, we're getting off topic. I'll get to it. (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's not look at all the circumstantial evidence pinning it on one guy. Let's look at the filmmaking. Let's look Mm. at the atmosphere. Let's Mm. look at the performances. (laughs) Yes. Greg's favorite talking points. Greg, why do you love David Fincher so much? Let's get into it. Why Uh, do you why do you want to jump his bone? Because he he makes a movie he makes movies for dudes they're dark. <laughs> I'm glad we had Sam for this podcast because again there are this is one of those like 
movies that guys love and it's really? like yeah. yeah and it's because i think there is no women in the cast <laughs> yeah oh my god one of the first things i wrote down was like why is chloe sevigny just like some d yeah. actor for Cl- like jake gyllenhaal to play off of why did yeah. she do nothing what a fucking waste i know and it's like this is the classic like obsessive man you know doting yeah. housewife like they made her a shrill we saw this in jfk we've seen this in like ten thousand other movies where it's like yeah. the guy is obsessively pursuing it at the cost of his family family life and yeah. she's leaving notes on the it's so overdone and kind of boring especially oh like also unrealistic because it's like even if he did look like jake gyllenhaal i would probably stay like <laughs> i wish they cast someone who looked probably closer to what the guy looked like i don't know yeah everyone's kind of too handsome well movie. that's that's always the way with books based on the author like who should we cast as the author i think it's the most handsome actor. yes i think it should be daniel craig who plays me in a movie yes perfect yeah oh God. wasn't that like how george r, r. martin likens himself to like the john snow or something like that like didn't he write that character being like inspired by himself that's me reason? curly hair yeah. Yeah, no i me. always heard it was sam Bruce. i always heard it was sam who was meant to oh, be wait, like really? the author insert character because a he survives every scrape even though he can't fight and he's fat but he's the smartest one and he always knows everything so that's kind of like if george r r martin wrote himself the game of thrones it's obviously sam and he does kind of get the girl at the end i guess but she's got a baby so that's not really a fantasy the but okay yeah Anywho, off topic again. Off topic again. Um, Yeah, but that was my thing. I was like, why is every female character just like shrill and annoying or just not there? Because sadly, this is the world we live in and movies are made for men. Like they are. And so you get these. Or at least it was in 2007. Things are getting better. Context wise, this also came out the same year as There Will Be Blood uh, and No Country for Old Men. All stark visions of frustrated men acting out violently. (laughs) Exactly, Um, yeah. All of which held no, no, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Just didn't want to see any of them. I'm going to say, this is this is a positive development. They probably wouldn't be made today. And that's a good thing. That means movies are getting more inclusive and intersectional. And as great, as brilliant of all, as all three of these movies can be, uh, Zodiac to a lesser extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it signs, signs <laughs> are pointing that in a kind of a positive direction. That said, now it's all owned by Disney. So there you go. Yeah. That's not. <laughs> And Disney's now run by a bunch of SJWs. So, you know, they're like forcing stuff down our throats. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. SJW is, and I'm afraid to ask. Oh, okay. There's a a whole cadre of, you know, fat, sad men who think that like Disney and like Hollywood in general is like social justice warriors. That's what it counts. So it's like whenever someone's trying to make a more diversified product that features someone non-white or non-man, they're like, oh, S- you know, shoving SJW messages down our throats. That's the whole. Yeah. So I was sarcastically kind of making fun of them, implying that they had a point to make when they never have a point to make. They're just fat, fat sad men who have nothing to complain about. <laughs> what a life. Yep, what a life. Yeah. <laughs> what a dream. What a world, what a life. Yeah. But yes, the filmmaking on display, yes, while technically brilliant, left me cold, Greg. This is what this is my thing about David Fincher. I think mm-hmm. technically he's obviously very good at what he does, but there's always some kind of like distance to it. I can't I can't, like I had the same problem with the social network. It's like, yeah, I'm engaged, but like there's nothing emotionally or theme-wise that I can really grab onto. The only movie he's ever done that I felt like I could kind of grab that was uh, Gone Girl. 
And I think that's kind of based more on the subject matter. Like the novel is obviously trying to get to something about relationships and the way the media or, you know, like media narratives and things like that, which yeah. this movie kind of gets into a little bit, you know, the way the Zodiac like plays on the perception or you, plays everyone's fears up, like obviously wants the notoriety and stuff like that. But I don't know if it it's I, it's technically not as good as Gone Girl. So therefore, this movie is a waste <laughs> and bullshit. So not even worth revisiting. Two stars would not recommend. <laughs> no, I, I think what you're getting at is the movie needs a heart. It needs Detective yes. Mills and Somerset, like contrasting ideas. It needs Amy and uh, oh, what's the husband's name? Ben Affleck's character. Um, mm-hmm. The Duns. It needs the Duns to, to mm-hmm. really bump heads. And that's the problem with this movie. Although you have these top flight actors, as we said, uh, the Incredible Hulk, um, Mysterio, <laughs> and Tony Stark, they they barely interact at all, and yeah. it's so it has it has such a fidelity to history. Like one of the most interesting twists is he sends he sends a cipher into the the San Francisco Chronicle, and they print in the paper saying somebody solved this cipher, and they show our hero uh, Jake Gyllenhaal try to solve it. And as in real life, it's just a random couple in like Marin or something like that. Like, hey, honey, let's solve this, and they do. Yeah, it's literally just one little. Yeah, scene. so it's not. It, yeah, it's it's not like compelling in a traditional the way a traditional Hollywood movie is, and it doesn't have the heart where you you really connecting emotionally to characters because you're seeing the same cliche beat of like, oh, this guy's obsessed with the crime to the detriment of his home life. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's driven crazy by it and falls into alcoholism. Um, yeah. The cop the cop is disgraced and has to turn in his badge and gun. <laughs> um, and it's not even that interesting from like, like he's not a vigilante like Harry, like a Dirty Harry, but instead like procedural. Like, mm-hmm. you, oh my gosh, you, you did that without telling the, the Vallejo Police Department this was their jurisdiction. <laughs> you're off the case Tashi I basically had the same thing I was like I don't feel anything and like arguably even the most like emotionally heightened scene is towards the end of the movie uh, Jake Gyllenhaal goes to like some guy's house Mm -hmm. who knows one of the kill the suspect Mm -hmm. at this point and then all of a sudden he thinks he might be the killer, yeah. but like for very suspect reasoning. And like, there's not even any like scoring to make us feel like heightened sense of anything like anxiety or it's concern. our, yeah, it's our first like it's thrilling like, oh. scene for an hour and a half. Well, I think it's, <laughs> Oh, it's almost a full two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because the reason why they included that scene is a, they could spin their wheels a little bit longer because we, we already know who the main suspect is and they kind of want to throw us another misdirection, but also it's because they want to like show how threat, like, cause the whole thing is that now he's getting the anonymous calls at this point, he started getting the anonymous calls and part of the fracturing of his relationship with Chloe Sevigny is like, Oh, have you ever thought about like the way they, uh, the way he threatened Paul Avery, that could be you putting yourself out there and, you know, and then the family's at risk, you know, he's already capable of killing children. Yeah, like, that could ha- have been like a forced emotional moment. And yeah. then like, they, like, where did it go? Well, I think that's why they included the scene where he goes to investigate and it turns out he actually is talking to someone who could be a suspect. And, you know, they have the creepy scene of like, not many people have basements in California. I do. <laughs> I won't. I won't take any more of your time. Why don't I just go and find out when we play that film? But that's all right. It's not a problem. Just down in the basement. 
Not many people have basements in California. I do. Come in, Mr. Grayson. Original Studio One sheets I always kept for myself. And then the other thing I think is that there's like there's too many almost puzzle pieces. Like there's a Zodiac watch which has the crosshair symbol. Yeah. But also the yeah. crosshairs could be, you know, he was a projectionist at one point. It could be the crosshairs for the countdown and the thing. Like, again, like at that point in the movie, I'm like, all right, you're spinning your wheels. Which is it? Like, you've obviously clearly pinned this Lee guy. It's got to be him. But now you're like misdirecting us for 15 minutes. And then you go back to Lee. And it turns out that didn't really matter. And he was just a creepy guy who had a basement. Like, yeah, so. And also all of this is like the last one hour of the movie. The first exactly. hour and a half is... Literally no actual crime mm -hmm. solving of any point. It's so much buildup of not a lot. Some stuff we don't honestly care about. Mm -hmm. Like I felt sad yeah. that like we watched two murders on screen in the first like twenty minutes, and I did not feel a thing. No. I was like no. okay, so oh, let's no. just yeah. for our actual characters because we don't get to know the characters who died at all. Mm. Um, there's no real buildup to it. Yeah. Um, we really, like, the movie's not supposed to be from their perspective at all. Like, I get that. And so that's why, like, when the actual murders happen, I do not care. Well, I mean, but you know, the other credit I kind of want to give the movie is that it doesn't sensationalize the murders too much, and it doesn't, like, make yeah. them kind of tawdry or, like, uh, sensationalized. They're very kind of matter-of-fact and very stark and... Granted, you could also say that's kind of boring. <laughs> but, Give me blood. I know, I think, God. Yeah. I think it's more effective that way, but then again, I'm a weirdo. Like, I I prefer movies with, like, no music and handheld cameras and stuff oh, like that. Yeah, so yeah. I I still remember seeing that in the theaters. That God, the, the scene at the lake, the poor woman getting stabbed or whatever, that's still one of the most haunting things I've ever mm -hmm. seen in the cinema. So okay. that, that works for me. But, yeah, as you said, we don't know these characters, and it literally starts with, like, her noticing him coming out like there's no context of their relationship it's other yeah. than the other than the uh boyfriend being a bit flippant about everything you, to the point where he actually challenges the zodiac killer but mm -hmm. that's the only like twist on that scene as you said sam it's not a yeah so uh, i don't know like and other than that it's it is all investigation it is all red tape and mm -hmm. it doesn't make for uh it it doesn't make for compelling drama much less a good hollywood product much less an artistic statement because i don't know what the what the theme is like a a tv series like chernobyl for all its dramatic faults or whatever is pounding you over the head like this is about the truth <laughs> damn it <laughs> and i wish there was something like that it's like you know this this is about justice for uh what's the guy's name Ma magno's family like we never yeah. meet the families we never see the victims really no. like yeah no even i realize even uh one of the families that like sees one of the murders of the like the cab driver mm -hmm. they interview the kids really briefly they never show the kids they're just always off screen yeah, uh, yeah. speaking for a few seconds and you're like what like why what was that choice <laughs> and maybe like you film nerds would know better than me like what the point of that was but i just felt like it was kind of lazy editing or lazy shooting uh, i don't well, know well i i am a film nerd and i have a theory um <laughs> paying kids to be on your movie set is a pain in the ass they have to work <laughs> child hours mm -hmm. they have to have a tutor on set if they're missing school yeah so they probably just and got like voice actors like, like and a, a, a teenager or something. Yeah. Well, again, no. fidelity to the like there would be they nerds. They tried so hard. They would be nerds. Really true to the real yeah. story. Yeah. Which and got annoying at parts <laughs> because they were clearly 
just throwing in details just to show they did. Oh, of course. But I mean, that's like, and that's the problem. Like, you know, they're adapting a story that isn't, doesn't make for a compelling movie because again, A, the guy never got caught and B, half his murders didn't really happen because he was just taking credit for random shit that was just happening. So it's, again, like if it leaned more into like the whole kind of media circus, like the fact that he was kind of like playing... You kind of get that in the first act where like it's focused only on the newspaper and then it cuts to second act all about the police procedural like where like let's coordinate you know where do we get this paperwork oh that's in that department you need to go talk, contact them and then back to uh, the newspaper kind of aspect the nose to the ground kind of gumshoe reporting. And I wish it kind of played more into the whole like media circus or just like kind of how crazy it must have been at the time because again. The Zodiac Killer was just one of many crazy things that was going on in the 70s in yeah. San Francisco. Which they also like to hit you over the head with. Uh, very clumsy. But I wish they could have, I, I wish they did more of it. Like, this is, Sacramento is where uh, Squeaky Fromm killed, or uh, uh, shot um, Gerald Ford. You've got Jonestown yeah. starting up. Like, you've got so much crazy shit going on in the, like, 60s and 70s. And I wish it played more with that context but instead, it's just kind of like Jake Hall, Like, I'll drive you to school. Everything's fine. <laughs> Don't yeah. listen to the radio. <laughs> and that's kind of the other weird thing. He, like, he tries to shelter his kid from it for like literally 30 seconds. And it's like, all right, screw He's it. Like, Guys, yeah. help me now now they're this helping paperwork. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Son, look at the blood spatter analysis on this one. <laughs> I guess that was supposed to show us the passage of time. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Over, his obsession but... taking over his family, yeah. Like, don't tell mom about our special time. <laughs> yeah, special time. God, that felt creepy to say. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But don't worry, guys. It does end with a title card saying Robert Graysmith is on good terms with his kids. That's so, I, that's the one yeah. thing I noticed, too. It's like he has a healthy relationship with his children. Like, is anyone <laughs> concerned about that? No, I bet that's because to like sign to get his rights to do this, um, they were like, you know, it's like how uh, the band had to sign off the rights for the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, and that's why that and movie sucks so trash. bad. Yeah, that's why yeah. that movie sucks so bad. Why we can't actually show drug use and mm-hmm. characters being flawed. Nice yeah. <laughs> also, including we do have to get a shot of because the final scene takes place in an airport. That's how they track down the character played by Jimmy Simpson. So we have to get a shot at the airport bookstore. And what's on the bestseller shelf? Oh, it's Robert Graysmith's Zodiac. Of course. He did write that book. Yay! (laughs) After the movie, let's go to the bookstore and buy ourselves a copy. (laughs) That would actually... I would... You've read the book, right? No, I read the screenplay. Oh, you read the screenplay. Okay. Yeah, which is laborious. Actually, with the movie, I think the final product is better than that screenplay draft that I read okay. many years ago. Yeah. But so does he in the book, what I want to know is, does he actually finger Lee as the killer? Or I does believe he... he does. Yeah. Okay. Because because the screenplay I read, it, it, the final like 10 to 20 minutes is just a laborious Robert Graysmith explaining to somebody, like, this is why Arthur Lee Allen is the guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I think David Fincher and other better writers came in and had the subtle moment of, like, here's my goal. I need to know it's him. And so at the very end, he says, like, he goes uh, to him. Yeah, doesn't goes say to the word, hardware stares store. Stares in his eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I hope that wasn't product placement because that implies Ace hires child molesters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, you're gonna you're gonna denigrate Ace, John, for giving prisoners like, a second chance. I like Ace. All right, that's what I'm saying. That's why I noticed it. Ace is my local. It, Ace is my helpful place for the helpful hardware store. Okay. Nailed it. <laughs> Close. opportunity. Close enough. Ending. Close enough. Yeah. Oh God. I win.
Can I help you? No. I could do you think I could like I'm not very good at acting I don't know if I could act excited for like this mattress is really the best I've ever slept on like that's yeah. my biggest fear is if we ever like our 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 listenership is like microscopic but it's like <laughs> if there were ever if a way ever came to us it's like do us 30 second spot I'd be like oh, you're gonna pull you are gonna have to pull a lot out of me to make it me pretend like I care about away luggage <laughs> It's going to it's going to take a lot. It's yeah. going to take acting classes, it's going to take improv classes, it's going to be rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I genuinely don't hate going to the post office that bad. <laughs> I think you know who has it the worst? YouTubers. Cuz YouTubers always oh, yeah. have to like tie it in at the end. Do you ever watch those YouTube videos? Like they're always like, you know, it took a lot to make this video essay, but I learned a lot from using Skillshare. Use the c- promo code Skillshare slash whatever, oh. whatever. They always have to like try to like elegantly like tie it in at the very end, like for the last minute. Oh. As opposed to like podcasts, which you can just go like, and we're taking a break. Goodbye. Uh, here's a word from our sponsor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my favorite is right now I've been getting, uh, here's a word from my sponsor. And you know it's supposed to be added in there. Mm-hmm. And then nothing gets added in. That and then is so say, weird. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad about it. It's just so so strange. I mean, I think we should do that just just to pretend like we're good so enough to have think? a sponsor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or listeners are lucky enough to skip the ads automatically. Mm, there you go. Not maybe. Oh, maybe that's to fuck with. Yeah, people who are skipping ahead. I so skip they ahead every time. Oh. Yeah. Whoa, I also started course. listening to podcasts on one and a half speed, and it's a game changer. That was my next question. Like, I can't, I can't do it. It's I great. can't do it. I love podcasts, but I cannot listen to one and a half speed. Tell me you don't listen to NPR on one speed. They well, speak so slowly. Everything's explained 20 times to you. You don't need to listen to that look, at normal speed. Kelly McEvers is just an angelic voice, and I need to hear it in all its beautiful glory. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, where yeah. were we? <laughs> <It's hard work. laughs> I'll, I'll bring us back. I'll bring us back. The problem with Zodiac, brilliant yes. though the filmmaking is, mm-hmm. it's got these competing interests. It's yeah. got the commercial interest to be a Hollywood movie, mm-hmm. hence you have the shot of the best, best-selling best book at the end. Yep. You have the fidelity to history, which is very boring, like that Neil Armstrong biopic. There's a reason it took so long for, to get this story to the big screen, because it's dull. Hmm. And then you have just the lack of a theme or emotional investment. So as brilliant as the filmmaking is, yeah, it, it's just not enough, really, to okay. warrant, warrant a rewatch, I think, or that, or to put it up in the pantheon of, say, the best movies of the decade or something. Yeah, I would, I would still recommend it. I just, yeah, like would I, w- you? yeah, I would, I would, just to like, it's, it's hard for me to like. Well, I mean, honestly, it's really hard for me to say like, oh, don't waste your time unless it's like really bad. But it's like it, this is one of those movies where I'm like, I didn't love it, but you might really like it. So it's like that's how I would rank it. What? I just found it so like like I had to stop after an hour and a half the first uh, night and okay. come back to it for the second hour That's and then fair. I felt like I was watching a very different movie yeah um which was also a little off putting mm-hmm. especially the first half 
I like I felt like the transitions were so awkward. And <laughs> is that just his style where like all of a sudden like all right, this scene's just over now. I and, think like, it, here's the next one. And like there's no I think look. the starkness is intentional. Like the it fact that it felt like an older movie because mm. that was such a style that resonates with older I 70s, believe it. 60s movies to me. I believe and like it. I'm not well versed enough in movies to know like <laughs> be able to list them off. So I really am relying on you guys right now. <laughs> but that's what it Greg, can we me of. Greg, can we confirm or deny? Uh I I'll I'll confirm. No, here's the thing. I also think, again, this has to be a commercial product. And movie studios do not want their movies. I don't know, other than Marvel, maybe like they don't want their movies to be three hours long because that means less showings in the theater, which means less butts and seats and less you know tickets sold. So I think maybe that's another like competing interest thing. Why things are cut together so tightly is because they wanted to get it down as, as quickly as possible. And it's still um, two and a half hours, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're going to tell me they did that, but also included 90 seconds of black screen so that they could, like, give you news headlines to show the passage of time in, like, the 60s and 70s. I mean, I kind of liked that. It felt kind of... Of course you did. I, I felt efficient <laughs> to me. I don't know. I, I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was fine. <laughs> I didn't need to know that the past... Like, every time they show on the screen the exact date, I'm like, man, they are really hammering home where we are, mm. why we're here, how many days later, how many hours later. I'm like, mm. did I need this? Maybe you could have just um, film made better so that oh. I understood that the time had passed. Like, towards the end of the movie, they stopped doing that. They started using... Um, the kids specifically like Jake Gyllenhaal's baby to show yeah. the passage of time. And like That's that true. felt very obvious to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how come now they gave up on being like, okay, two days later, six weeks later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then true. they were like, look, this baby's a toddler. Yeah. I mean, I think it's weird that Jake Gyllenhaal always had two kids originally from his first marriage, but then you only see one. And then they call that girl mom. Exactly. And, and then, then and then Chloe Sevigny's <laughs> in the picture and then, oh, now there's two and a new baby. I thought that was a little weird. Them. Yeah, she why took, was there only and, one? And she took them. Like, why was there only one for so long? Yeah, why did she get? Why did she get custody from a previous marriage? That's kind of weird. That makes no I, sense. I know. Those are his little crime fighting. It's tactics. okay. They're in yeah. a healthy relationship now, according to the title card. You know what? It's ambiguity just lends to its artistic achievement. Oh, okay. Oh, God, you okay. called it, Greg. You called it. But yeah, I will <laughs> say that's where it felt for me like there was a lot of continuity errors, not only in like the like just in the way the storytelling was being mm. done and then like the way it was getting edited and shot like mm. it felt very strange to me mm. i mean i thought it was fine like I, I i forgave it in the moment i was kind of like while i didn't love it i was kind of like swept up that i didn't really notice i was still i was still kind of too invested in thinking about the mechanics of the whole story like the actual story that i wasn't looking at the filmmaking i was like well that was a weird cut you know but I mean, yeah, I'm, I I'm with you, John. I, I I can only recommend it with a number of caveats. Like, are you mm. a true crime fan? Are you a David Fincher completionist? Um, yeah. Do you think Jake Gyllenhaal is really handsome? Like, so. <laughs> I feel like we haven't discussed Mark Ruffalo's handsomeness. <sighs> I mean, he's got that. He's got that. He's the he's the best cast one in the movie because he does have like that kind of charming schlubbiness to him. Yeah. Whereas, like. Robert Downey Jr. is too kind of like charismatic to be someone who's like that much of a shithead. And then Jake Gyllenhaal is too handsome to be someone who's like that touched. <laughs> like, because yeah, he's be meant, a cartoonist, yeah. yeah, he's he's meant like, as the movie keeps implying, like he is kind of like on the spectrum, like autism wise a little bit. Wait, when was yeah. that? So, you didn't think that. Did like, I not pick up on that? You didn't think that that was like a, t- like, well, uh, yeah, a, that he's Robert got the. Robert Downey Jr.'s character says, is he touched or something? Yeah. That's Robert Downey. 
Yeah, that's what that means, that you're on the autism spectrum. Like you're like, yeah. like lightly like Asperger's or something like that. And again, he's got the, because A, he's got the obsessiveness and B, like. Yeah, so does Robert Downey Jr.'s character. That's true, but, but that's more of like a. Part more than like being socially aware I, of like, but like really he goes off the deep end. So that's true. Say like he that's true, but he, it's who's like mentally deficient. But he's like a right. He's a he's a like a writer, and in movie shorthand, if you're a writer, you're a raging alcoholic. Like that's another yeah. cliche that this movie so, loves. So yeah, like. he may be obsessed, <laughs> but his demons it it like, leads to his demons. Whereas yeah, whereas Jake Gyllenhaal, it's like oh, it destroys his family life. But he's a Boy Scout. That's that's another thing the movie harps on. He's like. What are you? Some kind of Boy Scout? Actually, I'm an Eagle Scout, sir. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's too you too good at once. Once. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> freaking nerd! And that's the pro- he's too he's too handsome to be a nerd. That's the problem. I just no, I couldn't suspend yeah. disbelief. I should have looked up what he actually looked like, and I, I wish I could cast it better. I would have cast it better. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> I I don't want to be relentlessly negative, John. So I think for the, only the second or third time ever in the history of this podcast. Yeah. We're going to have a special guest spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Spotlight tonight. Going to go out, get some food. Sam, because you're the special guest, you get to spotlight something. So basically, whatever you want to recommend, whatever you've been watching, whatever you've been reading, whatever you've been... Oh, man. You yeah. didn't warn me, but... Oh, man. It's, my newest... So I if you know, listen to the podcast, you would know this happens every episode. <laughs> I didn't know that all the pressure would be on me. I have so many things I could recommend. Um, it just ended, but I would totally recommend watching Euphoria on HBO. It is okay. wild. I heard mixed things. Oh, who, Do go on. Who mixed? <laughs> How dare they? Um, whoa, that show's wild. Um, Zendaya plays it wonderfully. Oh, Zendaya's like, great. I love Oh her. my God, it's like a She's drug so good. addict teenager mm-hmm. uh, in a very like a contentious relationship with her family as a result, but also because her father died of cancer. Oh. And in this school, like riddled with drug use and <laughs> sex and violence and... Oh my god, it's nuts. Like it's like if you ever watched Degrassi back in the day, it is like that plus I don't know. It's like a porn version of Degrassi. <laughs> it goes there. Basically an HBO version oh, of Degrassi. Yeah, That's what we were hoping that. for. It was like if you watched that and always thought like they could go further. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is what the show is, but it's also like very well written. It's amazingly shot. The scoring is awesome. I, I don't know what else to say about it. it right. It's very well done, and it leaves on a, like an excellent cliffhanger at the end of season one. All right. So what I I read a few reviews of it from like. Don't do that. Why not? Okay, fine. Yeah, <laughs> what what your opinion? Say, now okay. I want to know. I mean, she does have a TV podcast, so she would know better. But right. what I read was, and what and a common theme I kept reading was like, it is, you know, even though it's a show about teenagers, it's really more designed for like parents. And like kind of like scaremongering for parents to be like, oh, look at what what your kids are getting into while you're not around, like that kind of shit. Is that what it's like or is it? Is it better um, than that? As someone who does not have children, I wasn't too concerned. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> I can't imagine looking at it through the lens of like being a parent with a teenager. Okay. Because I feel like very, very far away from that. Okay. Um, I can only imagine if that's, Hopefully they there's it's enough off the like off in the deep end of like insane and like mm-hmm. clearly like overly dramatized yeah. and uh, that it, they're not okay. taken to a back by it. So that's my thought on it. Okay, 
I don't know. If you're young and cool, then. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's a cool for it's a show for like cool kids. So it's yeah. like if you don't like it, I guess you're not cool. If you're a nerd. Don't watch. Yeah, watch the yeah. Dare program if you're like not into it. Uh, <laughs> fucking loser. Wanna, yeah, I will kids? admit I am far too square to watch you for. Yeah, no, thank you. All right. You're Why just... does every kid have glitter makeup? Okay, Come on. Greg, it's kind of like Pokemon. If the Pokemon... <laughs> All right, drugs. now you have my answer. And got into okay. crystal meth. <laughs> the drugs are like Pokemon, and you've got to take them. And they all <laughs> also wanted okay. to lose their virginities. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them was questioning their sexuality. Yeah, isn't what gender isn't identity. There's a trans kid on that show, right? There is a trans person on that show. Okay. And it is her first... Um, acting role okay and like shockingly because if okay. you watch you're like oh, okay like they're playing it like pretty interestingly and also it's not like super obvious because even like my dad watches the show oh really <laughs> again he and he had teenagers um he was never concerned about that hmm. i told him like four or five episodes in that uh one of the characters was a trans female uh and, and like that know? was their character he's like wait really i'm like yeah is oh. it not obvious he's like what no, I need to go rewatch that. Mm. See, okay, I have I I have ambivalent feelings about that because like I love Pose and mm. Pose is like a great oh, fucking amazing. show and it's like ninety percent trans actors. Yep. But I can't help but feel like the casting decision was these characters can pass really well, and that's kind of like a major theme of the show mm-hmm. is like because it takes place in like the late eighties, early nineties when like trans trans people weren't as visible. And so it was really all about how well can you pass and how well can you hide? And I can't help but feel like now that they're casting a lot more trans actors and there's a lot more like visibility that that's still kind of, but that like that thought process is still in casting directors heads where it's like, well, who's like the most feminine? Who's like the most masculine? Like who can, yeah. Well, I guess the thought process is supposed to be like, don't spotlight that that's what they are. Like, yeah, yeah sure. That's yeah. a part of who they are, but that is not necessarily like what's driving this character. Yeah. They're like anyone else. They can have their own motivations mm-hmm. outside of their gender identity. And maybe they're completely fine with their gender identity. And like, that's uh, like, that's it. Like, I know I'm a female and I don't yeah. go through my life being like, well, I'm a female. What would a female do right now? So mm-hmm. like, that's not a driving force and like, day-to-day decisions yeah. so like why should it be for every single trans character exactly you know there there is this other show on netflix that we watched called another another world fuck what is it called another life or something i don't know it's some <laughs> kind of like sci-fi show and it has the chick who played starbuck in the um Battlestar galactica i don't know if you ever watched oh, that nerd thing. yeah exactly i think that's that, like yeah anyway <laughs> don't dismiss it as a nerd thing please <laughs> anyway Like, the show is not very good. It's like the Cloverfield Paradox, like, stretched out to eight episodes. But I do want to give them credit. They do have a trans character on the show, and they never comment on it. And they give her a love interest, and it's just like, again, it's like totally just not even commented on. It's like not even a thing. It's just, hey, we like this actor. We cast her. Like, it's fine. And so it's perfect. It's great. Yeah, it's fine. As an actor, they're doing what their job is. Exactly. Why does who they are have to tie... Like, not every character that... um, Blanking on any name right now. uh, (laughs) Laverne Cox or something. Laverne Cox. Greg's got it. Greg's got it. (laughs) Laverne Cox doesn't have to play trans in every single role. There you Um, go. Even though the only two I'm thinking of are trans (laughs) roles. (laughs) 
She um, was going to be on some kind of CBS show that was like canceled before the pilot. It was, yeah, it was. Yeah, I know it seemed momentous, like that she was cast on a nationally broadcast TV show, and then the show sucked and they canceled like, two, <laughs> two episodes. So Imagine how bad but... a show has to be for CBS to cancel it. Wow. I know. <laughs> well, I think it was too radical. They got a number of angry emails with AOL.com addresses. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I watching this tall man dressed up you know, as a woman? <laughs> oh, Sorry, I apologize. Uh, Greg, don't stereotype Trump voters like that. That's I not know. fair. I All think right. my example was you said they were Trump uh, voters. I bet they don't vote. <laughs> <laughs> my example was going to be uh, not every character Tom Cruise plays uh, is a Scientologist. Oh, good point. Uh, okay. Like, yeah. that's probably a pretty crucial part of his being. Um, not any characters he plays. Otherwise, that man would probably not work anymore. Mm-hmm. Good um, point. Good point. So. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to know who whose career is thanks to Scientology. I really want to know. Probably a lot. But it can't be, like, that powerful, can it? So, well, Danny, Danny Masterson still got to work, even though he's, like, I guess that's true. Know, he's, like, yeah. in the Rape Olympics or something. <laughs> Don't describe it like that, please. <laughs> okay, I apologize. Yeah, not something, not something to strive for. <laughs> yeah, he got fired I don't know, with the number of credible accusers, and he still gets to work on crappy Netflix sitcoms. He did get fired whatever. from that job. He did get fired from that job. So okay, well, yeah. whatever. He got me too. Don't worry. Apparently, he never like drank or did drugs or anything like that. I was listening to an interview with um, Ashton Kutcher or yeah. Clooney's, one of them, and they were talking about how he like literally was like the. Sh- like the straight, straight edge? edge guy on set, like never, like he looks like he. But and also, I think his character was kind of the the harder edge one who was like kind of on the '70s show, right? Yeah, I, I never watched it. Show. Yeah, what? I never watched it. I don't know. Oh my god, go watch that it. That show was too mature for me. They were doing. They were you smoking would, jazz cigarettes on that show. Yeah, okay. you would really resonate with Red, who is uh, the father of the main character, who is a tight ass, <laughs> and just yelled at them. I mean, I do love that actor. What's that actor's name? Shit. Fred Ward. Brett, I believe it's either Fred Ward. He may have played Clarence Bodiker. He, uh, he did not identical. just. Not sure. He did not play Clarence Bodiker. He was Clarence Bodiker. Okay, <laughs> good sir. All right. Oh, fair enough. Yes, fair uh, enough. I stand corrected. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, RoboCop, yeah. really good movie. Yeah, Sam, can I talk about it. another show? Maybe no. you've seen it. Yes, I've been watching oh. Chuck. Yes. Oh man, Do you remember, anybody? That. Y'all remember oh, Chuck? Yeah. I love <laughs> yeah. That show. Oh my God, Ivan Strahovinsky, amazing. That's like one of those kind of like classic Friday night shows that runs for like eight seasons and no, but mm. no one like talks it about for so long. Yeah, because like, but again, because it had like a core audience that, and they could slot it into like Thursday or Friday night. That's cute. Which, yeah, like we're, we were rewatching Eureka and that was kind of the same thing where it's like, it's it's got like a core fan base and was able to like do a good run. But I'm sorry, Greg, I interrupted you. Talk about Chuck. That's that's fine. No, cute is the is the right word for it. Okay. Because <laughs> this, this show was pitched as like, what if Jim from The Office was a super spy? Mm-hmm. And it takes that ridiculous premise and does it to the nines pretty much. Uh, it's also, as you said, bolstered by the cast. Uh, that Yvonne lady is great. Um, her her foil, played by Adam Baldwin, also great. And of course, you got Zachary Levy, human puppy dog, like yes. at, the, at the center of the show. And I do like we're we're only in the first season right now. Again, my fiance adores it, and we're only in the first season. But the the huge cast, they I guess they were like planting seeds for dozens of storylines from here. But there are like eighteen thousand people, and they all like will charm your ass off. So. <laughs> oh man, that's when I know I've seen every episode, but. 
because I saw it so long ago and there have been so many shows. <laughs> yeah. uh, my brain has really kicked a lot of the details out. <laughs> and, and I think that's fine. Cause it's all <laughs> that's fine. It is really representative of like a nostalgic time for television. There, there are two reasons. As I said, very lighthearted, like not like all the other shows of the late 2000s, like, well, we got to do a serialized story mm-hmm. like lost is doing or something. So it's not really doing that. And also Three words that warm my heart. 16 millimeter film. It looks terrible. It's grainy. It's bad, but I adore it. Yeah. No, really? Yeah. Well, not terrible, but like you can see that it's not like polished, like high definition television at the time. I mean, it is kind of funny. Like just 10 years, any show feels like dated. And that's kind of sad to think about. Like, I don't get like warm, nostalgic feelings like that. I'm more like instead like, God, have we really changed that much as things like have things really evolved that much? And to know that Chuck, which didn't go off the air that long ago, is still like pre-HD era. That's kind of embarrassing. (laughs) Not embarrassing. I'll still still think I love the look of it or whatever, but it is remarkably grainy. And it was like the perfect amount of information that my brain could process a 16 millimeter (laughs) film. So that's why I wanted to extol that virtue. It's one of the few film or one of the few TV shows, I should say, Mm -hmm. still shot on film. I think the best TV shows are Breaking Bad, Mad Men, like all great stuff. So... Mm. I just wanted to stole it for that too. Okay, but yeah, right. hot go, take. Go watch I Chuck. hate Breaking Bad. Wow, <laughs> wow, wow! Hot take, yeah. guys. Every, okay, every well, we hope exactly we hope you enjoyed game. your last appearance on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I did like Mad Men though. <laughs> well, okay. Oh, she's winning me back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring it back. If actually, have you tried Better Call Saul? No. Okay. Um, uh, that guy is very greasy. Yeah, but and that's, I don't want to watch him. More but than that, I have to. but that's kind of the fun of it is like the, you get to watch his transformation from a grease ball or like from a kind of nominal, just normal con man into a completely amoral grease ball. That's what makes it great. Does he I, ever you get, get look, attractive because he's not at any to look at something? Look, <laughs> look. Okay, yes, Jan, uh, Bob Odenkirk is not conventionally attractive. But the writing's really solid, and there's like a lot of good like existential beats. It's very Mad Men esque. It's more Mad Men esque than I'd say. Um, than Mad Men. No, but I'm just saying like it's almost like they merged the two. It's like like Mad Men, where it's like it's about a lawyer kind of low, slowly losing his soul, but then it's also got it's a Breaking Bad spinoff. So we get the whole prequel like how did this guy get here? How did they get started in the meth business? So it's like that's kind of only tertiary to what's going on and the but the core elements of you know uh Saul dealing with his brother and his relationships they're just it's so good you should try that show because if you didn't like Breaking Bad I think this might be the show for you it's kind of like a great complimentary piece and sometimes even though I love Breaking Bad it actually might be better sometimes I'm gonna pull that's my hot take that's my hot take I would check this is this is way too much fire for one episode I mean, I've just been watching Desert Flippers this past week, so that's yeah. filling that's that's filling my TV hole. Speaking I don't want to make this oof. podcast go way longer than it should, but no. I don't know what that is. What is Desert Flippers? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> just teeing them up, knocking them down. Um, Desert Flippers is basically like so to fill the gigantic uh, fixer upper hole. Now HGTV is just like a cadre of. We're married and we're flipping houses and, you know, selling them and we're kooky and he's a goofball and she's the serious one, you know, like classic sitcoms kind of setup. But this one's based in Palm Springs. So, A, 
all the houses are just weird mid-century modern. And then B, they get to indulge in just the worst design choices, period. And I hate it and I love it at the same time because I get to like complain. I get to go like, oh, that looks like garbage. <laughs> you, you pay how much for that? Exactly. And then they at the end, they like do the whole price countdown. It's like, we bought this house for $150. We put $50,000 into it. And with closing costs of 25, we earned this much money. And it's like, obviously, they, it has the same problem that like, um, what's the movie I'm thinking? Or what's the TV show I'm thinking of? Flipper uh, Flop. Uh, Flipper Flop. Uh, Flipper Flop. Uh, yeah. They never not sell a house. Like, so it's kind yeah, of like just realism. Exactly. Like, well, the market doesn't really. That's why Property right Brothers, now. honestly, is the one I always love because that one, or at least in the initial seasons, felt like the most realistic. They're always running into budget issues. They have to like get the city to approve and shit like that. They're always like running into like real problems as opposed to like Fixer Upper, which always. I watched too, way too many of these shows, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fixer Upper, they always had like, you know, oh, it's uh, 15 minutes in. Now it's time for us to have a problem. Oh, no, it's going to be $700 to fix this piping. We got to call the people. Oh, no, it's going to be an extra $700. Well, if you got to do it, you do it. Okay. And then we move on. <laughs> like, it's like it's stupid. Um, but Desert Flippers. Maybe it's because I love Palm Springs. I think that's why. And I love Mid-Century Modern <laughs> that's Design. It. Yeah, I like, I, that's why I love that show. And I think it's like, it fills that kind of fantasy. It's like, maybe one day I'll have a garbage house that they flipped. Who knows? Because <laughs> they always add, and like they do, and it's also like Fixer Up because they do the same thing to every house. With her, it's like shiplap and like, you know, farm style table is shit like that. It's like for them, it's like Mid-Century Modern. We always got to do a pool, no matter how small, with like a little spa area. Like every house she they ever flip, she always has to include that. Which is fine. I get it. You have to have like an aesthetic, but it's yeah, like but you're giving people so many problems. You have to so have consp- conspicuous consumption. Exactly. And like <laughs> and that's the other thing about Desert Flippers is like they always have to consider the AC. What program are you using? Are we gonna install solar panels? Like they have to, you know and they always have to move a cactus at one point. Like that's the other thing. They get to like <laughs> They get to indulge in, like, the kind of desert-related stuff. There's an episode where they're like, ah, oh, scorpions, you know, like, fun shit like that. So, okay. yeah. For those of us who aren't familiar with the desert and desperately want to see homes transformed, or if you're like John, myself, or <laughs> his husband, Simon, <laughs> just want to make, like, catty comments about the terrible interior designs, or... I mean, that's... Sounds like Desert Flippers is it. I mean, that's the other thing about the show is, like, I love Palm Springs. Simon hates it. So I'm hoping, like, uh. this show is obviously not helping my case, but I'm kind of <laughs> hoping, like, you know, like, Stockholm Syndrome, it'll eventually set in, and it'll be like, okay, we can afford something out there, and I'm just like, yes, I won. <laughs> just beat them down enough. <laughs> you can also watch Instant Hotel if you ever want to watch people. Oh, we love that show. Oh, <laughs> we love that show, too. It's so good. Season two, now streaming. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they spill the wine on the sheets, and then they try to hide yeah. it. It's just bad, bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, that show is like, that show is weird because it keeps you hooked because the most critical couple is always the last one that they do. And it's always like the worst instant hotel. (laughs) They've talked up their instant hotel like all season and they go there and it's like, this is the shit you were talking up. And at that point, everyone hates them. So it doesn't matter how nice their place is. Mm -hmm. You're getting a zero. Yep. Mm -hmm. Classic. Greg, do you watch instant hotel? I'd never heard of it until 30 seconds ago. Oh, so. It's Australian. It's on Netflix. Check it out. All right. Australian it's already like... a no-go zone. What? What? Yeah. How dare you? Those, those accents. Do do? I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just like a, like a jackhammer in my ear. I can't take, you know, I can't take the, right, the, we'll the, get, the, we gotta get the Bondi Beach <laughs> uh, accents they made. 
<laughs> I'm gonna force you to watch it, Greg. I'm gonna I'm gonna tie you down and no, no. <laughs> it's like what the American movie. accent is to English people, the Australian accent is to me. The further west you go, just English sounding accent, English accents just get worse. And worse. Oh, you better just get rid of Netflix then, because Netflix has been doubling down on like their Australian based shows mm-hmm. recently. It's all over okay. the place. What? Well, I heard they finally got internet in Australia. <laughs> oh, no. You're so mean. <laughs> no, they always did. It's now the Wallabies have it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> market. Yeah. Hey, all of our Australian friends, do do us a favor. We've given you way too much fire, way too many recommendations mm-hmm. this episode. So first, check out TV Lab. Great podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I did listen to the Chernobyl episode, which is great. And check us out on all these social media feeds. I've got a bunch of them that I lifted from Gizmodo today. Uh, Friendster, MySpace, <laughs> Vine, Yik Yak, <laughs> Bebo. <laughs> We're on all of them. Is Yik Yak like TikTok? Which one? <laughs> Yik Yak was actually I I didn't even know this existed until I saw this basically this article on Gizmodo, which is a graveyard for all these social networks. Mm-hmm. Yik Yak was like apparently a legitimate menace. Um, it was designed to just send out messages to people in your vicinity. Oh, that's right. So you just, and it's anonymous. Yeah, so you just so send people... out tweets, but to like people in your vicinity. And of course, what people did was like send out these hate, terrible, hateful, racist things, oh. or even worse, like bomb threats or oh, threatening no. to shoot. Is it yeah. Like now, when you send people things over like airdrop and on airplanes and in airports, mm, I think so. Like they Have could, you ever yeah, I think that? it's airdrop. Yeah. No, no one's ever tried to shoot. I have it turned off by on, but I've oh. heard stories of people like someone just, sent me a photo, and it was of like something in San Diego, like a pl- like in re- like very close to where I used to live. Like really? it's a place I go to all the time. Was, was like, it by accident? Like, but that's the other I thing. Like maybe it was by accident. It freaked me out. Okay. All <laughs> At right. least it wasn't like me in that parking lot. God, could you imagine? Oh gosh. But I was like, I've been in that parking lot. <laughs> So connect with us on social media and airdrop us shit. Why not? <laughs> yeah, just airdrop us. My, mine's turned on. <laughs> so many dick pics. <laughs> Find us on chat roulette. <laughs> yeah. Oh I'm the one with the hairy thighs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the one. Come on. <laughs> so so anyway, social media, we're on all the platforms too. Give us five stars. Give TV Lab five stars. Just give it just give out stars yeah. like they're like they're going out of style, please. Um I mean I'm like it's it's funny. I'm kind of like even though your reviews sometimes are like way more negative, the fact that you like have an audience like is kind of exciting. <laughs> I have an audience that likes to argue with me. There you go. Um when I hate mm. stuff. They like to let me know that they don't. But to like have that kind of engagement is kind of like enviable. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild to okay. me that I have to explain. I don't envy. I don't envy it. Okay. I don't. I don't hear it from randos on the internet. I hear it from family members and loved ones. <laughs> there you and go. They, yeah, so that's I, be that appreciative is kind of, of that. Sam. You're right. You're the right. fact that you can you can Aww. argue 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 with them and not see their point or defeat them with logic and not be emotionally invested. Oh, so. Go more negative. I'm telling you. Brings yeah, I'm, out okay. the best in people. I think we are actually pretty negative. I mean, what do you, where do you think we are, Greg, on the, on the scale? Do you think we're kind of, I, I think we're, we're, we always come out to like a, a fine. It, it's fine. Yeah, that's true. But the way we get there is like rough. We're saying, like, this, these are the, the good bits. Movie? These are the bad bits that somehow get magnified. Like how critical we are. What has been like the top movie and the bottom movie on this podcast that you guys have reviewed? I know mine. 
You guys you don't want have it? like a consensus one? Well, okay. Yes. Um, Are they well, I know, I know the best movie I've seen for the podcast and the worst movie I've seen for the podcast. Okay. Um, Hit me with it. I'm gonna guess what it is. Okay. I think for John, it's definitely Psycho. Yep. Was the best for the that's the, best, the best movie, movie. I've seen yeah. for the podcast. Okay. Yes. Uh, the worst would probably have to be American Beauty. Greg nailed it. Yes, American <laughs> Beauty is the probably one of the worst is definitely by far the worst movie we I've watched this podcast and probably one of the worst movies I've seen. Period. It does not hold up. I mean, mm. like check it out. Now just it doesn't. Yeah, now it sure. doesn't for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, but I mean, like. Honestly, that would be the only reason I would recommend it is like just morbidly curiosity, like see how bad this movie has not helped up. <laughs> Your bird hates this movie. Yep, my bird hates this movie. <laughs> she, she just hates us talking. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> she just hates people. So, shit. Okay, Greg, before we sign off, uh, give me best and worst for you. Oh, well, I want John to guess. Um, um, I, I don't even have a worst in my mind best yet. Uh, best? I don't. I don't. Well, okay, so it's kind of complicated because now I'm thinking about it. We did do Metropolis for this podcast, and that's my favorite movie. So Psycho is my the best movie I've seen that I hadn't been ex- that I hadn't experienced before. So yeah. I'm trying to think of you've seen a lot more movies going into this podcast, so I don't really know what was like. Re- yeah, I, I will admit, let's I'm limiting it to the movies that I've seen for the first time. Okay, and I'm thinking the most enthusiastic I was was far and away RoboCop. Oh, that was, that's right. Yes, <laughs> that was the most like pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. and joyous I, I ever was about seeing like a movie for the first time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in terms of the worst, it's probably an old one like The African Queen or Breakfast at Tiffany's. Those ones I really didn't like. No, you hated. Just, you know what you hated? Um, yeah. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. I. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go with a less obvious choice. I, I don't think Grand Budapest Hotel is bad. No, it is bad filmmaking. You know what? Yeah, John, you're right. You nailed it. <laughs> okay. Winner. Winner, winner, yeah. chicken dinner. All right. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you for indulging me. No problem. This is great. Are yes. you kidding? This is awesome. And, you know, like, honestly, you're doing us a huge favor. Because, again, <laughs> we've done, like, 200 episodes of just us talking. Everyone is sick of it. So thank you for <laughs> changing up the formula. Yeah, I come on ours. I don't think we've decided what our next show is. The okay. most recent one we did was The Boys, which is an Amazon Prime original, which I highly recommend. Okay. Uh, mostly listening to our podcast. You can watch the show as well. Oh. If you really wanted to. Uh, it's actually a pretty good show. So, okay. Uh, give that a listen. I don't know what we're going to do next. It depends okay. kind of like what's coming out this month and what we feel like. Got doing. it. Sweet. Because we've been, we've been having a good run of good shows recently. I think we initially did a lot of like sitcoms that were utter trash. And we're like, <laughs> why do we keep doing this to ourselves? <laughs> well, now it's like the time to do it because it's fall. So now all the new shows. Oh, are exactly. Like, it's like the season for it. I mean, yeah. And like not. Yeah. The, I mean, the fall being the TV premiere time is like kind of an antiquated thing because. But now. Yeah, it I mean, can come on any time. Like, there you go. Throw stuff all, all the time. time. And sometimes they just don't, like, do any press for it. Like, that's it the other stops. weird thing. Yeah. And they're, like, big movies, like, with amazing actors. Yeah, What's they'll the do, one, like... um with Jessica Lange? The, the trailer just dropped today. Uh, uh, it's a movie, actually. It's not a show. Oh, The Politician. Yes. With, oh. Uh, and Netflix. That's oh, Ryan Murphy's kid. first Netflix-associated yes. That's right. Jessica Lange. Yeah. I think Nicole Kidman's in it. Um, no, Gwyneth Paltrow. 
Gwyneth oh, Paltrow's sorry. in it. Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow's in it. Uh, that kid from um, Dear Evan Hansen. Ben Platt. Ben Platt. Which I saw on Twitter today. Someone's like, so we're still going to accept this guy as a high schooler? Are we just going to let this happen? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I couldn't figure out. Like, he was looks, as a like, kid like being in college or whatever is a stretch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. If you have those boyish looks and that voice, you can do anything. That's true. Kind of got a baby face. Not going to lie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about people who are autistic. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was actually super interesting. He has a whole story about how he had to prepare for Dear Evan Hansen because he's like has a thing where he always like had this exact same oh, like, really? lead up day of that he like was very um I don't know the wording. Hmm. Like he always had to do the exact same thing day of. Oh, like OCD. Of, yeah, it was very oh, like OCD. Interesting. Oh. Huh. That's okay. all about. All right, all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't making fun we weren't making fun of you we're just like that's just how we we act engaged <laughs> no we're very grateful that you came well, on well yes yeah, no thank you thank you for joining us sam yes if you guys have a new tv show that's coming out and you guys ever want to talk about it let me know totally it'll probably end up being right. netflix because i'm just too lazy to pirate or yeah. pay for anything <laughs> Well, with that, thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, keep aspiring. (laughs) Perfect sign-off, Greg. I know. Crushing it.